Well, listen, we've got lots to get through with this week's Take a Break magazine. Uh, the stories are great. Uh, we'll start off with the first one, which is, but he's got another family, Mum. Sure. So this one is by a lady called Jackie Tudor. The front door flew open and two little figures came tearing in, closely followed by a less excitable and much larger one. Jackie asked, how was swimming? Exhausting, her husband Steve replied. She had to chuckle. Steve was such a great dad to their kids, Jonathan Six and Ella too, and her daughter Nicola from a previous relationship. When he wasn't taking them swimming, he'd be running about with them in the park or rolling on the carpet playing games. But things hadn't always been so good. His job as a factory manager was stressful and he'd sometimes be called into work in the evenings to fix a machine or sort a problem. She'd say, can't it wait till morning? He was so conscientious he could never say no to a call out. But when Ella was just a few months old, Jackie found out that Steve was having an affair with a woman named Julie. The late night call outs had all been a cover. She kicked him out but he'd come crawling back and because of the children she'd agreed to give him another chance. But there was a condition... You can never see Julie again, she told him. He agreed, and in time, they put the past behind them. They went on family holidays, and then when the children had grown up, Steve and her took romantic trips away together. But they still made time for their friends, and Steve often went away with his mates on golfing breaks. Then one day they were at home when Steve collapsed. She called an ambulance, and Steve had tests. Then a doctor came to see them. He started to speak, but all she heard was, I'm so sorry. Steve had a brain tumour, was nothing the hospital could do. How long do I have, he asked. It could be months, it could be longer, the doctor said. As they tried to come to terms with the news, Steve began a course of chemotherapy and radiotherapy to prolong his life. One day he took her hand. I love you so much, he said. I always have. After that, he told her he loved her every day. She understood that it was his way of saying goodbye. In time, the tumour began to affect his eyesight and he wasn't able to drive. He still wanted to get out and about, so he roped in his friend to act as a chauffeur. One day the pair of them went out, but hours passed and they didn't come home. She started to fret that something could happen, so she called his pal. Where's Steve? she asked. I don't know, he replied. He's not with me. Then she was really worried. Another hour went by and then she heard the front door open. She shot into the hallway and said, where have you been? Steve hesitated for a second, then he said, I popped to the shop on my way home. She narrowed her eyes. She was certain that something was up, but she didn't know what. She kept thinking about it, and next day when Steve was upstairs, she seized her opportunity. She picked up his phone and began strolling through some messages, but there was nothing suspicious, so she moved on to the list of numbers, and she froze. One number cropped up over and over again. It had been 18 years since she'd last seen it, but she recognised it straight away. She marched upstairs and thrust Steve's phone under his nose. Why are you calling Judy, she said. He looked stunned. She got in touch, she said, when she found out about the cancer. How did she have your mobile, she asked. Her friend must have given it to her, he replied. Really, she said, maybe I'll call her to check. Steve's expression darkened. Now you're being silly, he said. She started to think that she was being anything but. The following day, she went round to her daughter Nicola's house and told her everything. Right, she said, I'm going to call her. She picked up the phone and dialed the number. As she began talking to Julie, her eyes widened. And so did hers. She couldn't hear exactly what she was saying, but she got the gist. Steve had started seeing Julie again as she'd suspected, but they resumed their affair 18 years earlier. In fact, they'd only split up for a couple of months before getting back together, but that wasn't all. When Nicola put down the phone, she said, Mum, they've got two kids together. One was six and the other was 14. Jackie thought she was going to collapse. She went home to find Steve waiting for her. As she walked in, he said, It's not what you think. Well, what is it then, she said. Steve told her he'd only been seeing Julie for the sake of the kids and that their first child was in an accident. Well, what about the second one, she said. Julie wanted to have another one before she got too old. So you obliged, Jackie said. 
He tried to go on, but Jackie held up her hand. Steve, she said, I don't believe a word you're saying. That night he slept on the sofa and next day she went to stay with her mum. But she couldn't stop thinking about the last 20 years and wondering if Steve had ever loved her. She thought about every golfing holiday he'd been on and every time he popped to the shops. Had he been with her all along? A few days later, Steve called her. He had hospital appointments and he didn't have anyone to take him. So she made a decision, she said. I will come home and look after you, but our marriage is over. Back at home, his condition began to deteriorate. She had a million questions to ask, but whenever she brought up the subject, he said, It wasn't what you think. I loved you, and I would never leave you. She moved Steve's bed into the living room as caring for him became more difficult. Then one day she was sitting by his side when she noticed his breathing change. His chest rose and fell, and then it was still, and he was gone, age 53. Jackie arranged the funeral, and despite everything, she wept. After all, she'd never stopped loving him. Then three weeks later, just as she was starting to come to terms with things, she got another shock. She came home and found an envelope on the doormat. When she opened it, she gasped. It was a letter from Julie, and she was contesting Steve's will. She claimed that because they had two young children and had been in a relationship, her family were owed money. It beggared belief, she thought, not a flipping chance. But the letters kept coming, and she was summoned to court. Finally, she'd had enough, and she called her. She said, you've got a nerve. Julie said, I have as much right to Steve's money as you do. She couldn't believe the cheek of her. She said, why, did you ever pick, why didn't you ever pick up the phone in 20 years and call me? If you told me what was going on, I could have had him. Then she slammed down the phone. In court, Julie claimed that she and Steve had been soulmates. She produced letters and pictures of them together with their kids. Eventually, Jackie, Jackie's solicitor advised her to settle out of court and she was ordered to pay Julie £50,000 on top of her legal fees and, and, and hers. It mounted to just under £100,000. Jackie had to sell her house to pay for it. She was heartbroken. Wasn't it enough that she'd taken her husband? She'd taken everything she'd ever worked for. Since then, a lot of people have said to her, you must have known what was going on. But if I'd known, do you think I'd have stuck around? Like heck I would. Jackie still can't believe that it really happened to her. Now she lives in Royston, South Yorkshire and is married to a lovely man. She's moved on with her life, but she still doesn't know she'll ever forgive Steve for what he did. That's the end. Oh, it's just That's such a difficult one, isn't it? Though it it's is just, a oh. difficult one, especially when you know this man mm. is terminally ill, and you're kind of exactly. fighting the feelings of yeah. you know somebody that you you have loved for so many no. years. The I've got children, it's scary. Yeah. But then I also feel a little bit sorry for him, obviously, because it's difficult, isn't it? It's like. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, mm. he's had to live a double life and that can't be easy. Mm. Right, um, just with the cancer and everything, but yeah. still. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Well, <laughs> listen, let's move on to another story yeah. from this week's Take a Break magazine. And it's My Life versus a Pork Pie. Yeah, so this one's a bit more jolly. So this is by a lady called Nicola Bomer. Nicola sat down on the sofa and finally put her feet up. It had been a hard afternoon as a job at a school cook and she needed a rest. Then she heard a ripping noise. Oh no, she said, not again. She didn't need to be Mystic Meg to know where the sound had come from. Her trousers had split, it had happened dozens of times before, and the school was getting sick of ordering her new ones. She hadn't exactly slipped into them she, at the start, she was a size 22. But in the school kitchen, she prided herself on her creamy coleslaw and delicious desserts, and could never resist a mouthful here and there. When she came home and her daughters, Georgina, 14, and Demi, 12, were in bed, she'd crack open a packet of pork pies... Afterwards, she'd order a Chinese takeaway, followed by a whole chocolate cake. As the scales went up, so did the size of her trousers. Next day, she went to see her boss and broke the bad news. She handed over a pair of size 26 trousers and said, They don't make them any bigger. Nicola blushed and said, I understand, but she kept eating. When the pair ripped, she wore leggings to work. Eventually, she hit 30 stone. 
Her health began to suffer and sometimes she even struggled to walk. I went to, she went to see the doctor and said, I don't know what to do, I'm addicted to food. He knew it was pointless talking to her about diet and exercise, the pork pies had paid out to that. Instead he recommended a gastric sleeve operation and she agreed to be put on the waiting list. Meanwhile, she developed sleep apnobia because of the weight. During the night, she stopped breathing up to 47 times an hour. She got a special mask to help her sleep properly and joked to her daughter, looked like Darth Vader, but she wasn't amused. Finally, the date came through for her operation. The doctor told her, two weeks before surgery, you must go on a liquid-only diet, but you can have a last supper. Just don't go overboard. I won't, Nicola said. On the day of her last supper, she cooked a large leg of lamb and ate it by herself. Then she had a tub of quality street for dessert. At her pre-op appointment with the surgeon, he said, Make sure you get your affairs in order. Yes, she said. She knew he meant I might die on the table, but without the surgery, she knew she'd eat herself to death anyway. When she got home, she phoned her sister, Michelle. I've got to sort things out for the girls, she said, will you? But she couldn't finish the sentence. Don't say that, Michelle replied. It's horrible. I know Nicola replied, but will you? She agreed to take on Demi and Georgina if anything happened to her. Then she wrote letters to the girl saying, I love you and I'm so sorry, I haven't been able to control my eating habits. The big day arrived and her mum and Michelle came with her to the hospital. Nicola was wheeled into theatre and as she was being put to sleep she said, I'm a single mum, please don't let me die. Then Nicola drifted off. Hours later her eyes flickered open and she heard a commotion. She looked towards the door of the recovery ward and saw her mum and Michelle banging on the windows trying to get in. Two nurses were holding them back. Despite the pain, she smiled. Later, she went home and tried to adjust to a new life. She could only have liquids at first, then a tiny amount of solids. After a year, she'd lost 10 stone and started going to the gym. One day, she was on the cross training when she got chatting to a woman called Hayley. They got on well, and when her birthday approached, she said, Why don't we go out and celebrate? They went to the cinema to see The Hangover Part 2. During the film, Hayley's knees touched hers, and something strange happened. She pulled her leg away and stared at the screen but Nicola couldn't concentrate. Afterwards, she went to a friend's house and said, drape your leg over mine. She started laughing and said, why? Please, Nicola said, I need to figure something out. They sat on the sofa and she rested her leg on hers, but she didn't feel anything. After Nicola explained what had happened with Hayley, she said, you've been single for too long. You need a night with a man. She took her out on the town and said, I'll help you pull, but Nicola wasn't interested. She couldn't stop thinking about Hayley. Weeks passed and each time she saw her, she tried to ignore her feelings. She was in such a flap that she went to the doctors and said, I think I'm going mad, I fancy a woman. The doctor stared at her and said, I can't really help you with that, madam. Then Hayley went to Disneyland Paris for a week with her nan. Nicola missed her so much that by the time she was back, she made a decision. She had to tell her how she felt. When she returned home, she called her and said, I'm coming round. She thought, stay calm, Nicola. Nicola drank a bottle of vodka and when she arrived, she looked concerned. You don't drink, she said. I know Nicola said, but I have to tell you something. She knocked back another glass and said, I've missed you. She replied, I've missed you too. No, Nicola said, I meant I've missed you in a liking way. Oh, Nick, she said, I love you too. Hayley threw her arms around her and they had their first kiss. That night she stayed over. The next morning, Demi came into her room to ask her something and froze. She looked at Hayley and said, but mum, you're not a lesbian. I'm sorry you had to find out like this, she said, but I love her. She texted Georgina and then her phone beat with a message. Is this a wind-up, Georgina had written, because if so, I'll go along with it. But when she came home from college, you had to explain to her that it was real. As long as she makes you happy, she said, go for it. Hayley moved in with them and life became content again, but only one thing ruined her joy. Because she was so happy, she started eating more and more pork pies. Her weight was beginning to creep back up. 
and the more she ate, the more she was able to eat. Her gastric sleeve was stretching. 18 months after the operation, she was 21 stone again. Nicola felt devastated, but like last time, she couldn't stop eating. Eventually, she went to see her surgeon and begged him for help. He told her that the best thing to do was reverse the procedure and carry out a gastric bypass with a special ring to prevent stretching. When she told Hayley, she said, Please don't have it done. But you know how I don't like big getting big, she said. I don't care, Hayley replied. I love you anyway. Nicola sat her down with the girls and said, I have to do this for my health. The bypass went in her head and afterwards Hayley washed her and fed her at their home in Greater London. The ring she'd had fitted meant that if she had so much as a single bite of a pork pie, she became ill. It stopped her slipping into her old habits. Gradually, the weight began to come off. Now she's lost 17 stone and is a size 14. Georgina is 25 and has just given birth to her first grandchild, Kingsley. Here's her motivation for keeping the weight off, Nicola says. Having surgery is an easy option. It doesn't change the way you think, but this time I reckon I've finally beaten the pork pies for good. Oh, thank goodness there was a lovely ending to that yeah, story. I know. Honestly. <laughs> um, you know, it's so easy to get addicted to... No, it really is. You know, whether it be food, cigarettes, alcohol. Exactly. It, it just takes, you know, something in your life, maybe yeah. a little traumatic to happen. Definitely. And it's just comforting, isn't it? Yeah. Like... Yeah. And once you found your comfort, um, you know, trying to, to resist is just so incredibly yeah, difficult. No, definitely. No, she's done really well. She has indeed. Oh, well done her. <laughs> And let's hope she continues to keep the yeah, weight I like off. The, I like that story. It's yes, <laughs> very much so. Well, listen, mm-hmm. thank you, Donna, for joining Not us on the program today. It's been such a pleasure catching up with you as yeah, always. It's been is. fun. <laughs> and uh, don't forget, if you want to get the current issue of Take a Break magazine, it is out now, so go and get it. Uh, if you can and you want to take a look online, it's got a fully accessible website. Have you got the web address? Yep, it's www.takeabreak.co.uk. Donna Smiley, feature writer from Take a Break magazine. Thank you so much for joining us here on RNIV thank Connect you. Radio. Have a nice week.